You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Also, I want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to start later this week, hopefully. (laughs) We're getting really close. Uh, For those of you who are more visual, who like to look up stuff on YouTube, who want to see what kind of setup I have in my podcast studio, whatever your reasoning may be, once that YouTube channel is live, come check it out. Subscribe to us on there as well. All right, today is the first episode in a new series called WCC Wednesday. We're going to be It's going to be a recurring episode, either a full episode every week or at least a segment every week on Wednesdays. Probably not a full episode every week. Eventually, that'll get a little bit repetitive. But we're going to talk about the rest of the West Coast Conference, the rest of the West teams not named Gonzaga that play in the WCC. Uh, For now, for this episode, it's just a preview. We're talking all things WCC, looking at the conference as, as a whole, looking at BYU, St. Mary's, whether they're going to be the two and three again this year, other teams that might step up, take that mantle. Uh, it's a really unusually deep year in the WCC. I think the the top three seem pretty similar. There are some debate on whether St. Mary's is still one of the top three teams in the conference. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but again, we just kind of want to look at the other teams and and how they're going to fare this year. Uh, I want to give credit where credit is due. So before I go into this, uh, there was a lot of research on my part. Obviously, I watched a lot of these teams last year. I'm pretty familiar with some of the players coming in and out. But I had to do a ton of reading to have all the notes ready for this. And I want to shout out the people whose work that I read because that's the right thing to do. And there's also work that you all can go out there and read as well. Uh, I use the following sources for my information. Uh, Busting Brackets, uh, an article written by Tuck Clary, who also writes that the slipper still fits. Uh, he ranked the he did a power rankings on the WCC. You can check that out. Uh, Three Man Weave, Kai McKeon, did the write-up for the WCC. Tons of great information with video on there as well. Heat Check College Basketball, which it's $8 to get there, a 124-page manual talking all things college basketball. Wildly worth it, without a doubt. If you're a college basketball fan at all, this is worth checking out. Connor Hope, who was a multiple-time guest on the ScoreZag Score podcast, he wrote up the WCC write-up for them. And then I used the rankings from Kevin Sweeney at Sports Illustrated, which came out earlier in the day. Uh, today and Tuesday as I'm recording this, and then Matt Norlander at CBS. Both those guys ranked every Division One team, which is an absolutely insane behavior. To be perfectly honest, it's ridiculously crazy. They would both admit it to you, I'm positive, but they helped me kind of get a good sense of not only how these teams are ranked within the conference, but how some of these teams are viewed at large compared to other conferences like the WAC and the Mountain West and the AAC and, and all of that as well. 
So we'll get right into it. Each segment's going to feature three different teams. I have them in the order that they generally showed up. Ranking-wise, this is not necessarily my specific order, um, but it's just kind of the closest order that we're going to go with. Uh, the first team, obviously, outside of Gonzaga is BYU. Uh, every one of those sites, Heat Check, Three Man Weave, Busting Brackets, CBS, Sports Illustrated, every one of them had BYU second in the WCC behind Gonzaga. There's no Real surprise to that, uh, especially after they got the announcement that Alex Barcello was coming back. Uh, he's an absolute monster. He's a, he's one of the 25 best players in the country. Uh, All-American honorable mention last year. 16 points, 4 rebounds, shot 47% from downtown. I think he shot 49% the year before that. This dude is ridiculous. He's big. He's athletic. He's savvy. He's a great shooter. Like there's not a lot on the basketball court that he cannot do. And when you look at Gonzaga's team, I think they have a ton of great, they have a ton of great guards, obviously. <laughs> They're really, really deep backcourt. And they have a lot of guys who I think are capable of being good physical defensive players. But somebody's really going to need to step up to get in his face because he is going to present some challenges for this team. Uh, elsewhere, BYU's top 30 offensive and defensive team last year. Like, this is just a really, really good team. Generally, you see them being ranked. Uh, three men, we've had had them 25th in their top 25. CBS had them 36. Sports Illustrated had them 35th. So they're a top 40 team in the country, borderline top 30 team. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, if this team is getting votes in the top 25, if not sitting squarely in the top 25. Gonzaga's probably going to get them three times. So it's going to be tough, tough to get all three of those victories. If they do it, it's going to be on the strength of finding a way to stop Barcelo from scoring. Uh, they did lose a fair amount of talent from last year's roster. Matt Harms, the seven foot three center transfer from Purdue, and Brandon Averett are both gone. They added a grad transfer guard in Tejan Lucas from Milwaukee, who averaged 15 and 6 last year. So they got some depth back in. Uh, Caleb Laners, or Caleb Lohner is expected to step into a bigger role. You all might remember him. He had the long blonde hair, looked like the surfer from LA, averaged 7 and 7 last year. Big, strong, physical dude. He's kind of one of their best size guys, though, and I think he's only about 6'9". They have Richard Harward, who's going to step into a starting role. He's 6'11", but he's not hes not all that good. Gavin Baxter has been injured for the better part of the last two years. He's a big, brick-built dude who's 6'9". He, if he's healthy, he's going to add some size for them. But it's the same story in the WCC. There's just not a lot of size. BYU is one of the few teams that has routinely had some size on their roster this year. They don't have a lot of good, talented big men. Again, Loner's pretty good, but he's only about 6'9", so I don't see how they're going to match up with Drew, Timmy, and Chet Holmgren. That's a that's a refrain you're going to hear me say about every single team in the WCC because I don't know how the hell anybody's going to guard Drew, Timmy, and Chet Holmgren when they're on the floor at the same time. But BYU is a team that in the past has had the pieces to maybe potentially do it, and I just don't think that they do this year. Next up, number three, St. Mary's. Again, no real surprises. There's a lot of people who are wanting to put other teams into the top three. I'm not quite ready to do so. Neither is Heat Check, CBS, or Sports Illustrated. All three of those sites have St. Mary's number three. Three Man Weave has them number four. Busting Brackets, Tuck has them number five. Might just be a little anti-St. Mary's bias. He acknowledged in his article that that's maybe a little bit bold, but there is some reason behind it. Uh, they didn't look very good last year. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the simplest way to say it is they just, they weren't very good. Uh, but they also returned basically everybody. And continuity is such a massive factor in college basketball, particularly for some of these lower level programs. St. Mary's is a very, very good program. But for mid-major schools who don't turn a lot of guys out into the NBA, having a lot of continuity and turnover, not losing a lot of guys to the transfer portal, 
uh, is huge. And they returned Tommy Cusey. They returned Matthias Toss. They returned Logan Johnson, three really big players from their roster last year. Cusey averaged 13-5. and five. He's an incredible story. Walk-on kid who's now a starter on one of the top 40, 50 teams in the country. Uh, Matthias Toss didn't quite have the breakout season that a lot of people expected him to do last year, but he's a nice, solid six foot ten forward who's, who can do a lot of different things. Logan Johnson, really good scoring guard as well. Other than that, they didn't they didn't lose anybody, but they didn't really add anybody. They added a pair of freshmen, uh, point guards, international kids. Uh, n- nobody's really expecting them to be huge pieces right away. So we're kind of just running it back with the same group. They had some injuries last year. If they don't have injuries this year, they're probably still going to be pretty good. Uh, they're going to play slow. <laughs> they're going to need their shooters are going to need to be really reliable. That's what's always been the deal with St. Mary's when you run an offense like this is you need to be like elite efficiency wise, elite elite. And when you're not, it can go pretty poorly. That's why we've seen St. Mary's drop some games where they score 46 points against a bad team. And you're like, what the hell happened? And then sometimes when they, you know, embarrass Gonzaga on a national stage, like they can kind of run the gamut. And I think we're going to see more of the same. Randy Bennett's been there 20 years. There's not really any reason to assume that things are going to look very different in Moraga, especially when they're bringing back basically the exact same team this season. And last one in our first section here, USF, uh, number four. Freeman uh, Weave has them number three. Busting Brackets, CBS, Sports Illustrated all have them number four. Heat Check has them at number five, so generally considered one of the top four teams in the conference. Uh, they're one of multiple teams in the WCC that has a ton of turnover. It was talked about so much over the offseason how much the, how big the transfer portal was. It got over 1,000 players at certain times. Everybody was talking about it, and when you look, at the rosters this year, you can really see how insane it was. We'll talk about it more with San Diego. We'll talk about it a whole heck of a lot when we get to Portland. But a lot of these rosters have been dramatically turned over. USF is expected to start three transfers according to the bracket, or excuse me, the uh, depth chart that Three Man Weave released. Again, we don't know exactly what the depth chart's going to look like. But according to them, it looks like they're going to start combo guard Gabe Stefanini, who had averaged 13-5-4 and four at Columbia. Power forward Patrick Tape, who averaged just 1.1 rebound at Duke. He was not a big player for Duke, but obviously for San Francisco to land a former Duke recruit is not nothing. Uh, they also added Yahoon Masalaski from San Diego and Zane Meeks from Nevada. And I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize in advance. Voldemir Markovetsky from Washington State. Uh, varying degrees of success from those guys, I think, trying to read how the statistics a player put up before they transferred is a little bit misleading because their role is going to change. They're going to be in a different offense, all of that. So that's what makes USF a little bit difficult to judge because they could start as many as three transfers. They have five who are probably going to be a part of their rotation. Having said that, Todd Golden Squad is bringing back Jamari Bouye and Khalil Shabazz. Both those guys are really good scoring guards, really, really good scoring guards, guys who can easily light it up for 20 a night. They'll have games where both those guys are over 15. Hell, they might have games where both those guys are over 20. Those dudes are really good. So if you're going to have a team that has five transfers on the roster, three who are expected to start, the best way to ensure that you don't fall fall apart or struggle with cohesion is to have two really, really good score-first guards coming back. And they do. Golden embraces analytics and the three-point shot more than most other teams in the country. We've seen the highs and lows of that last year when they beat Virginia. They also lost to some very bad teams last year. They lost, I think, six in a row to end the WCC season. So there's, like I said, lots of highs, lots of lows. With the team that's got a lot of turnover, I think there's a really widespread 
of things that could happen with this USF squad this year, but I'm not counting them out. Veteran leadership in the backcourt is such a huge thing. You look at even the most successful Gonzaga teams have almost always had that. USF's going to have that with Bouye and Khalil Shabazz. If there is ever a year for a team not named Gonzaga, BYU, or St. Mary's to make the NCAA tournament out of the WCC, this would be an incredible year for it to happen, and I think that those hopes are going to rest on the heels of the Dons. All right, that is a wrap on the top three non-Gonzaga teams in the conference. Coming back in the second segment, we're going to discuss three more middle-of-the-pack teams, their outlook for the 2021-2022 season. Before we get there, though, let's talk about prize picks. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but your favorite mid-major programs as well. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code Locked On, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. This episode of Locked On Zags is also brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while it even became a pre-game location because of their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. Right, welcome back to the first WCC Wednesday of the 2021-2022 season, previewing the other nine teams in the West Coast Conference. In the first segment, we talked BYU, St. Mary's, and USF, the teams expected to contend for a top three spot in the conference and potentially multiple bids in the NCAA tournament. Here in the second segment, we're going to talk about three other teams that all have a chance. I think this conference has always had a very... The, the difference between four and eight frequently, almost every single year, seems to be really minimal. All these teams kind of get bunched together. This is the group that I think is going to be bunched together a little bit this year. Standing out of the bunch a little bit is LMU. They come in at number five. Heat Check had them number four, busting brackets. Tuck had them number three. Three-Man Weave, CBS, and Sports Illustrated all had them fifth in the conference. Sports Illustrated had them just inside the top 80 among all of the teams in college basketball, whereas CBS, Matt Norlander, had them 92nd. Either way, this is a top 100 team, and the main reason for that, the main reason this team is good, is Eli Scott. Eli Scott is coming back perhaps one, one, if, one of, if not the best, redshirt senior to take that extra COVID year. And join his team, a massive get for the LMU Lions. He is he averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, three and a half assists last year. The offense completely runs through him. He reminds me a little bit of what how Golden State used to run things off of Draymond Green. They still do a little bit, but Green's offense has faded, at least in the NBA. But this is the way that 
Eli Scott is being used. They come down the floor, they get him the ball. He's a he's a good decision maker. He's patient. He waits for the right shot. He either takes his man off the dribble, backs them down, shoots over them. He can pass. He can do everything. He's an incredibly talented player. A guy that so often we see in the in the conference where there's these really, really good four or five year guys at these schools who seem like they're there forever, who get a lot of mention as, you know, all conference. Uh, all, you know, maybe even all American or at least like all conference, second team, all conference, first team guys, but rarely get a lot of attention outside of that just because they're, they're at WCC schools that aren't Gonzaga or BYU, which is a bummer. But Eli Scott coming back is going to be huge for the lions. They're also hopefully going to get a health, healthy season from Damian D- Douglas, huge piece of this team, six foot seven wing. He can play the two, the three or the four. He missed all of the 2019, 2020 season. And he only played 12 games last year with a knee injury. Injuries have been such a big part of his story, but if he's healthy this year, him and Eli Scott, both being these kind of undersized fours who can play off the wing a little bit, really going to give a lot of teams in the WCC some serious trouble. They also added a transfer guard from Northern Arizona, Cam Shelton. Shelton was awesome for Northern Arizona last year, 19.6 rebounds, four assists. He allows Joe Quintana to play off the ball. Joe Quintana was LMU's de facto point guard last year, but he wasn't He's not a very good point guard. He's more of a shooter. He's kind of more of a guy who likes to catch and shoot, doesn't really want to be a distributor, or at least wasn't that good at being a distributor. Shelton will allow him to do that. Quintana's a 43% three-point shooter. So now you have a true point guard who can distribute the ball. You have a 43% shooter off the wing. You have two kind of undersized Draymond Green-esque dudes playing on the wing. The big issue for LMU is outside of that, there's just not a lot of real size their center or their power forward is uh, Kelly Le- Le- Leo Pepe. Leo Pepe, you remember him last year. Big man, 6'6", 250 pounds, goofy hair. Uh, got a lot of attention <laughs> during the season because of how he looked. Uh, he's a talented player, and he's not just a big bruiser. He shoot, shot like 36% from downtown as a as a center, but he's he's 6'6". Six, six. As much size as he may have on him, he's still pretty small. There's, there, there's not a lot of depth uh, in the front court for this team. Their tallest starter is Scott, and he's six foot seven, and he plays the three. So I think that's going to be a, a factor for them. Uh, certainly not just against Gonzaga, because like I said at the onset of the podcast, nobody really has the size to guard Gonzaga. That's what's going to make them so special this year, among lots and lots of other things. But for LMU, I think their size is going to be an issue, and is part of the reason I don't have them in the top four or even the top three of this conference. But I think it's a very realistic chance that they finish the year as one of the 75 best teams in the country. And if they do that and also finish fifth in the conference, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good, that's good news for the WCC. Sixth is Santa Clara. Santa Clara is sixth by every single metric that I used except for Sports Illustrated, which has them seventh. So it's pretty universally accepted that they're right in the middle of the pack here in the WCC. They returned four starters, which again, continuity is such a big deal when talking about the WCC and talking about really any mid-major program, particularly um, programs that aren't turning a lot of guys out in the NBA, managing to keep all of your players and have them back is huge. Uh, They return all WCC forward, Josef Frankik. He's phenomenal player 15 and 8 last year it feels like he's been there for so long again one of those guys who's just always been around always been putting up good numbers since he was a freshman they also have Jalen Williams big guard 6'6 really nice feel for the game 11 and a half points four rebounds two assists last year those two guys are going to do a ton of the scoring for this team one of their biggest issues last year 
was three-point shooting. They didn't have reliable outside shooters, and they also didn't have a reliable point guard. They solved both those issues in one fell swoop by by nabbing Green Bay point guard B, P.J. Pipes, excuse me, off the transfer market. Pipes has been over 40% in the last two seasons on 260 attempts in the last two years. The dude lights it up. He is a shooter with a capital S, shot over 40%, 14.5 points, four rebounds, three assists. Uh, not a tremendous passer necessarily, but I think he will fill the role of shoot first point guard really well on this team alongside Williams, alongside Vrankic down low. I think this team has a, has the potential to do some real damage. You know, again, I, I don't think that they're, I, I have them sixth for a reason. Everybody else has them sixth for a reason. They still have some some limitations. They don't have a ton of depth, but I think adding pipes is a good move. Getting Vrankic back is huge, and I think this team could 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 surprise some people, uh, especially some other teams in the WCC at least. And then number seven is Pacific. Again, Pacific was pretty widely accepted as being the seventh best team in the conference. Heat check, three-man weave, busting brackets, all had them seventh. Sports Illustrated had them eighth. CBS had them ninth and outside the top 200, which is a little surprising uh, to see them that low, at least by by Matt Norlander's rankings. Uh, this is their first year without Damon Stoudemire. He finally got poached. We kind of knew that that was going to happen. There was some real rumors that he would take over as the Arizona head coach because of his coaching acumen and, of course, his ties to Arizona as a former player at that program. I think that would have been cool. Obviously, I don't I don't disagree with the decision to hire Tommy Lloyd. He's a phenomenal coach, and he deserved that opportunity, as sad as it is to see him not in a Gonzaga uniform anymore. But Stoudemire deserved the chance. Now he gets to coach the Boston Celtics. He's an assistant coach there under Ime Adoka. Can't argue with that. That's also a super cool opportunity. Uh, The Tigers hired Leonard Perry, who was one of the associate head coaches, to be his replacement uh, at Pacific. So they're keeping things in-house, which makes sense. They were kind of had a good development system going. Things seem to be on the up and up, so there's no reason to really change anything. They returned three key starters, Pierre Crockrell, Jeremiah Bailey, and Jordan Bell. Uh, Crockrell's really good. Uh, He had one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the country. That's hard to do on a not very good team. If he had more shooters around him, more talent around him, I think he'd be a guy that would really pop. Uh, he's he's better than some of his stats even indicate, and his stats are pretty good. Bailey and Brown are both big dudes who average a lot of rebounds. Uh, you know, they're nine and nine type guys, eight and nine. You know, they might sneak into some double doubles here and again. They also added Alfonso Anderson from Utah State. He was the sixth man of the year in the Mountain West, averaged seven points, three boards last year. A guy that I think could do some real damage for Pacific. They also added a couple more transfers because, like we've said, just about everybody added multiple transfers this offseason. They got Nick Blake from UNLV and Greg Outlaw from Central Connecticut. All right. Seven of the 10 teams in the conference have been covered. I'm assuming that you guys can count me doing a player preview on every player on Gonzaga's roster as covering Gonzaga. And then we've covered the top six teams in the conference as well. In the third segment, we're going to go over the final three teams in the conference, talk about what their outlook looks like for this season and beyond. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bill Bar has nine deli- delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bill Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bill Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BillBar.com now and use the promo code LOCKED15 
and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, for 15% off your first order. Locked on Zags is also sponsored by BetOnline. BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, heading into the third segment, we have covered seven of the ten teams in the WCC. We're going to cover the final three teams heading into conference play. Number eight, USD. USD was generally accepted to be the eighth best team in the conference. Heat check, busting brackets, CBS all had them eight. Three-man weave had them ninth. Sports Illustrated, Kevin Sweeney was a little higher on them than I expected. He had them number six and 134th in the country. They're admittedly a very tough team to nail down for multiple reasons. One, they only played 14 games last year. They were one of, if not the most impacted team by COVID-19. They had their own breakouts. They seemed to run into some very unfortunate luck when they tried to play other teams. 14 games. That's all they got in last year. Really, really unfortunate luck for Sam Scholl's squad. They also lost a ton of players. Many of them to the transfer portal, many of them to other teams in the conference, which is a little surprising. You don't see that very often, but they also were very active on the transfer market. There are five players on this roster who transferred into USD who are expected to be significant contributors. That is huge. It's really difficult to pin down how a team who only played 14 games last year, who lost most of their key contributors, who is bringing in five transfers, how are they going to be? I talked about this a little bit earlier with USF. One key thing to look for when determining a team's ability in the upcoming season is if they're returning veteran guards. That is the case with the Toreros. Joey Calcaterra is coming back. Redshirt senior guard, six foot three, averaged 13, three, and two last year, shot just under 38% from downtown. I love Joey Calcaterra. I think he's very, very good. The fact that they managed to keep him in tow, he's going to be a huge part of this team. That makes me feel much more confident about what this roster is going to look like next season. Beyond that, San Diego also added Denver transfer Jace Townsend. He's going to be the other guard starting alongside Calcaterra. A big get for the Toreros. He averaged 19-4-2 for Denver last year. Again, Denver not a elite program by any means, but anybody who can put up 20 per game at another Division I school is probably going to have some success playing at, for the Toreros. Again, four other transfers makes them really hard to predict. Terrell Brown, uh, there are multiple Terrell Browns in college basketball. He's the one who played at Pitt last year, a six foot ten center. Marcellus Erlington from St. John's, he's a winger. Bryce Monroe, combo guard from Sam Houston State. And TJ Berger, another combo guard from Georgetown. A lot of new faces for San Diego this year. I don't expect them to be one of the better teams. It's difficult to rebound from losing so much talent to only playing 14 games last year. I don't think the talent they brought in is elite by any stretch of the imagination, but if they find a way to gel together, this is a team that could could win some games that they're not expected to win by the end of the year. 
Number nine is Pepperdine. Pepperdine, the Waves have usually been at the top five. Last year, they were a legitimate contender for two or three in the conference. They did end up winning the CBI last year uh, under Lorenzo Romar. The reason that they are so far down on the list this year is pretty simple. There's two reasons, Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards. Losing those two players is such it's a huge loss. Those two players are so good. Colby Ross is the all-time leading scorer in Pepperdine history, all-time leader in assists. I believe he's all-time leader in steals. One of, if not the best player in program history. Colby Ross was an absolute monster. He was a menace. He was so difficult. Gonzaga handled him better than a lot of other teams do because Gonzaga was one of the few teams that had physical enough guards to really deal with the way the style that he played. He got frustrated playing playing against Jalen Suggs last year quite a bit because he wasn't used to guys who could really body him up and deal with him the way that Suggs could. But then Kessler Edwards is an NBA player. A leg- he's going to be a good NBA player. I feel very strongly about that. He was selected in the second round of the draft. One of very few players not from Gonzaga, BYU, or even St. Mary's to get selected in the NBA draft out of the WCC. Really cool to see that happen. Again, those two players, just those two players were 45% of Pepperdine scoring last year. 45%. That is a monumental loss for Lorenzo Romar's squad. They replaced him with two transfers, Braun Hartfield, who sat out last year after transferring from San Diego. He averaged 14-5-2, was a conference honorable mention for all-conference awards. So a, a talented player who's had success in the WCC. There's plenty of reason to believe that he will be good playing for Pepperdine this year. They also had Keith Fisher, power forward from Illinois State, who averaged 10-6 in his last season in 1920. So they got some dudes coming in, some reinforcements, but... At the end of the day, those guys do not replace Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards. The players that they're bringing back are just were not huge contributors. It's really unclear what they're going to do at the point guard spot. Uh, they have some guys who who played behind Colby Ross who are probably going to step into starting roles, but that those are some pretty big shoes to fill. And I, I, I don't think this is going to be a particularly memorable year for Pepperdine. I think last year was kind of the, the pinnacle of what they're going to be, at least at this point. And now they got some rebuilding to do. Speaking speaking of rebuilding, number 10, universally only two teams, well, three teams, including Gonzaga, were voted that in the same spot by all five of the sites that I was doing research along. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga was number one, BYU was number two on all of those, and then Portland was number 10, last place on all five of the sites that I used. Not a big surprise. This is a massive Massive rebuild going on um, out on the bluff, the Child Center on the University of Portland campus. Uh, the Terry Porter order era is over, which is very good news uh, for Pilot fans out there. Uh, he went 1-42 and 42 in the past three seasons in conference play. He played 43 games in conference in the last three years, and he won one of them. Overall, he went 43 and 103. He went 7 and 70 in conference play, which means that he was roughly 500 in the non-conference slate against not very good opponents. They frequently played pretty, pretty bad teams. And then when he got into conference play, 7-70. and 70. A disastrous era for the Pilots. Uh, it could not have gone any worse, quite frankly. Um, I'm hypercritical of it because I was around the program when they made the hire, and uh, there was a lot of consternation about how it would go. And 
legitimate concern that it might go like this. And it's unfortunate because now they have to do this other rebuild. They haven't been good in a very long time. Uh, they were pretty good under Coach Reveno about a decade ago where they snuck into some rankings and even you know had, had some successful 20-win seasons, but they haven't come close to that level again. It's not going to happen this year. They brought in Shante Leggins, the coach from Eastern Washington. I thought that was a good hire. I'm happy to see him get an opportunity at a slightly more high-profile school, although, again, <laughs> they got their work cut out for him. Portland is also not returning a single scholarship player. None. Zero scholarship players from last year's roster coming back. It's one of the biggest turnovers I've ever seen. Not surprising for a program that hasn't had success that turned over their coach. You expect to see a fair amount of turnover. This is still ridiculous. Shantae's bringing three players from Eastern Washington. Mike Meadows, the starting point guard, averaged 10 points, two rebounds, two and a half assists. Tyler Robertson, small forward, averaged 11 Three and a half and three assists. Jack Perry, combo guard, averaged four points, one and a half rebounds, and just under two assists. So those three guys are all going to be key role players. Meadows and Robertson are probably going to start. Perry's going to come off the bench for Shante's squad. They also added two other expected starters, Moses Wood from UNLV, who averaged six and four last year, and Christian Sojland from UTEP, who averaged five points, two boards. Again, a team that has, is bringing nobody back where everybody who's on the roster is a transfer or a incoming freshman. Really hard to predict how they're going to do. Don't have any reliable, this guy was here last year and was good, like Joey Calcaterra or Jamari Bouye from USF and USD. This team has nothing. <laughs> they don't have anything to kind of go back on to rely on. Uh, I think Shante Leggins is a good coach. That's probably the most confidence-inspiring thing that I can say. He has three players with him that he's coached in the past. That is obviously a good thing. I think Portland is going to be, they're going in the right direction. There, there, is, there was not any other direction they could have gone, unfortunately, but they are going in the right direction. I'd love to see this program get themselves out of the cellar, start competing for six, seven, eighth at least in the conference. Uh, it may not happen this year, but hopefully they're at least starting to move in the right direction. Through the Terry Porter era, onto the Shantae Leggins era, got some players that are going to be familiar with. Hopefully things can kind of start getting right on the bluff. All right. That is going to do it for our first WCC Wednesday. Like I said, this will be a recurring segment. It probably won't be an entire episode every week, but hopefully at least for one of the segments on Wednesdays, we'll talk about the last, we'll recap the last week's game for all of the conference teams, particularly in the non-conference when we get to see them compete against other schools like Pac-12 schools and Mountain West schools and kind of get a sense of, of how they're looking against some of those schools. Um, tomorrow is the first full Andy Locks. So again, we talked about this segment is Goldilocks. You send me your takes. Uh, I grade them whether they're too hot, too cold or just right, just like Goldilocks. If you have a take that you want to submit, get it in now. I'm probably going to record at mm, probably 6 or 6.30 p.m. on Thursday. So if you're listening to this and it's before that time and you got a take you want to tell me about, shoot it to me. You can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at ScoreZagScore. You can reach out to the Locked On Zags Twitter account. You can reach out to me via email at andypatton013 at gmail.com. These takes can be about the upcoming Lewis Clark State game. They can be about the Texas game. They can be full season predictions for players on the roster. Hell, you can give me takes about Zags in the NBA. You can tell me that Jalen Suggs is going to, he is going to be better than Scotty Barnes. He's going to rebound and win rookie of the year. You can tell me your takes about DeMontis Sabonis, whatever your basketball Zag adjacent takes are. Submit them to me before tomorrow at 6 p.m., before Thursday at 6 p.m., 
and I will get them in the show. I'll grade them too hot, too cold, just right. It's a fun segment. I'm really glad that it was brought to my attention by a listener. Cool idea. You guys seem really interested in it. I've already gotten some responses on Twitter, which is fantastic. Uh, This is a podcast for the people. So I value your feedback. I value your the things that you guys want out of this podcast is what I want to bring to you. So always feel free to reach out with suggestions, with criticisms. If you have them, uh, please be nice. But if you have them, feel free to drop them that way. Uh, and if you have any takes that you want me to talk about on the podcast, get them in before 6 p.m. on Thursday. All right. Thank you again for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Lockdown NBA podcast. You can get all your daily daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.